Thanks for downloading today's From the Top podcast. I'm your host, Peter Dugan, here to remind you that From the Top is a small, independent, nonprofit organization. If you like what you hear today, please consider making a contribution to our efforts at fromthetop.org. Thanks, everyone. And here we go. From NPR, it's From the Top. Celebrating the power of music. In the hands of America's kids. Greetings, everyone. I'm pianist Peter Dugan, and we've got a wide-ranging musical experience in store for you on today's show. From Beethoven to one of Debussy's earliest pieces to an American spiritual and ending with an old-school bluegrass finale. It's all going on. And we're going with bluegrass because most of what you're hearing today was recorded in Louisville, Kentucky, hosted by our partners there, 90.5 WUOL Classical Louisville. A big thank you to them. And you know who comes from Kentucky? One of our show's recurring co-hosts, violinist Tessa Lark. Tessa's going to join me to collaborate with our young musicians in just a few minutes. But first, let's mambo. In fact, let's mambo with a harpist. You heard that right. From the small town of Boulder City, Nevada, this is 16-year-old harpist Julia Gomez performing Mambo by Bernard André.
16-year-old harpist Julia Gomez from Boulder City, Nevada, performed Mambo by Bernard André. And what a lively and playful performance of that piece that was. Thanks for introducing From the Top to this work, which I don't think we've ever had before. You're the first. And uh, boy, you just made it groove. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, I love that piece. So I want to talk about the harp because it's obviously an unusual instrument. How did you arrive at this instrument? What, what drew you to it? I definitely credit my choosing of the harp um, completely to my grandpa. Um, I have six um, like cousins and siblings, and he tried to get every one of us to play his Celtic harp when we were very young. And all of them just didn't respond positively and they didn't like it. But he like put my hands on the harp and I really liked it because it was so different. And no one had seen this before. Like none of my friends had played this, you know. I think the differences also paid a factor into my attraction to it. And your grandfather must be super proud of you now that you've stuck with it. Yes, he is, I believe, one of my biggest supporters, if not my biggest supporter, because he comes to all of my outings, even if they're like weddings, he'll come in the back and just sit in the back <laughs> of a he wedding. He like crashes other people's right. weddings to hear you play. <laughs> right. He'll sit like in the hallway and listen. Um, he'll do, yeah, he'll do anything to come hear me perform. And I'm really thankful for that. That is a super fan. <laughs> So you were drawn to the harp for the very reason that it would separate you from the crowd. And I also know that as a harpist, you're attracted to some non-traditional stuff. I mean, first of all, the piece you just played is not, or at least for me, it's not what I typically think of when the harp repertoire comes to mind. But also, even beyond that, you play different genres, you're into jazz, and, and what else? Um, right now I'm taking both classical and jazz harp lessons, but wow. in the future I would love to study Paraguayan harp, which is used in mariachi bands. My dad is from Mexico and, and they will have these extravagant like performances on this stage and some of them include Paraguayan harp. And I just remember from a young age, like forcing my entire family to stop and saying like, Hey, can we watch this? Like, you know. Hmm. So I just thought it was really interesting from the first time I saw it. Cool. I can't wait to hear once you start playing that music. Uh, sign me up. I want to listen. Yeah. Uh, well, another musical moment that you say will always stick with you it was when you played for the mayor of Las Vegas. That's, how did that happen? And, and why is it an important memory for you? Um, my family and I gathered there for a protest, actually, because the city wanted to cut the funds of um, the music program in one of the schools. And my mom is a teacher and my aunt is a teacher and both my grandparents were teachers. So, and we all love music and we love classical music and just the arts in general. So I think that really hit close to home for all of us. So we all gathered there and the mayor just asked like, will someone come perform on stage? And my sister and I actually had our tiny violins I had started playing the violin a little bit before I was introduced to the harp. We just raised our hands and we didn't expect anything to happen. But he was like, "Okay, you two up front, come play for like the city that was gathered. And I played for the mayor. It was really awesome. Wow. I mean, and there it is right there. I mean, you're a perfect example of why it's important to have arts education, right? I mean, that was case in point right there. Yeah. Um, Julia, I just think it's terrific that you are such an avid, 
musician of all styles. And this has been such a treat for us to get to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Julia Gomez, 16, from Boulder City, Nevada. If you subscribe to From the Top's podcast, you can download whatever episodes you want and listen on demand. They're available at fromthetop.org. For the last 15 years, From the Top and the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation have awarded over $3 million in scholarships to talented young musicians who have financial need. We still have more to give. Go to fromthetop.org to learn more. Peter. The composer and pianist Margaret Bonds was a true groundbreaker, the first black musician to solo with the Chicago Symphony in the 1930s, and a frequent collaborator with the great poet Langston Hughes, she somehow made a career for herself as a performer and composer when it was nearly impossible for a black woman to do so. Our next young performer is going to play one of her powerful works for solo piano, Troubled Water. His name is Adrian King, and he's 18 years old from Silverdale, Washington. Thank you. 
Pianist Adrian King, 18 years old, from Silverdale, Washington, performed Troubled Water by Margaret Bonds. Adrian, I so enjoyed that performance. You really took us on a journey because at the beginning, it's it's kind of mysterious, you know, and, and haunting. And then it just breaks out into that epic uh, finale. And I thought you performed it with great depth. Bravo. Thank you so much. I had a really fun time playing it for you. You know, in talking to From the Top Performers about the height of the pandemic, I found that some people were practicing a lot more during that time, right? Because there's extra time. And others were practicing less because it was, you know, difficult to find motivation sometimes. Which of those camps were you in? I would say I was definitely practicing a lot more. I would even say that I practiced probably a little bit too much uh, because I developed pretty serious tendonitis in my right hand, uh, which made it hard because I still had to get ready for these college auditions. So I kind of had to work through an injury, but I'm doing okay now. I've I've been there with the tendonitis injury, I have to say, and um, so many musicians go through that. Um, could you get into a little bit of the specifics of what you're doing now that feels so good? Because just watching you perform that, uh, your technique looks fantastic. Um, I'm mainly focusing on um, like not raising my shoulders at all and having completely free arms. So um, I now sit a little bit higher than I used to and I lead, lean forward so that my mm. arms can kind of just hang freely. Mm. And I pay attention to my wrist a lot and just rotation and making sure my wrists are completely relaxed. And yeah, Uh, that's great that you're learning all these things in just your first year at Eastman. Uh, I know that you mentioned uh, you're there at Eastman now. This is your your first year of studies. Is it true that you decided to go there sight unseen, having never visited? Yes, that is true. Um, The very first time I walked into Eastman was on the very first day of the fall semester. Wow, that's so extreme to just show up without having ever been there before, and here you are, it's day one of classes. Were there any surprises uh, when you walked into the building itself? Well, here at Eastman, um, all the pianists seem to practice in the very um, lowest level of the annex in the basement, because that's mm-hmm. where the, most of the grand pianos are. But the first couple times I tried to get down there, I got lost. And, you know, normally getting lost, it's okay because you can just call someone, but not in the basement of the annex because there's absolutely no service or Wi-Fi. Right. So you have to drop breadcrumbs on your way to the practice room. Yeah. (laughs) Now, you're just starting your your college career, but I want to talk about your plans for the longer term. I was struck that you're quite specific and driven about wanting to get into some teaching. What is motivating you to go in that direction? Um, I would say... The main thing that's motivated me um, is my teacher back in Seattle, Dr. Peter Mack. I was with him for about nine years before I came to Eastman, and he just, um, he was so fun. Um, He would draw pictures of my music, and so Mm. after I'm playing a piece for a certain number of months, you wouldn't even be able to read the music because there's so much drawing all over it. Um, But he would make analogies too, and I just had so much fun as a student of his, and I would like to let other children have that same fun when I teach them. Mm, Teachers like that are such a gift. And I know that your teacher is just so proud of the fantastic work you're doing. Uh, Adrian, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Adrian King, 18 years old, from Silverdale, Washington. Peter Dugan here, and the next four performances you're going to enjoy were recorded during a trip that I made to Louisville, Kentucky. 
And happily, I convinced Tessa Lark to return to the show and co-host the young performers we met out there. Tessa is seriously in demand as a classical violin soloist, but she grew up in Kentucky in a bluegrass family. Tessa will get to show us her bluegrass side at the end of the show when she collaborates with a fantastic 12-year-old Kentucky fiddler. But the first performer that she and I met when we were in Louisville was a stunning young trombonist. Tessa, hello. It's so wonderful to be with you again, my friend. Thank you for coming out to co-host with me. We're in Kentucky. We sure so are. cool to be here. This is my first time in your home state, by the way. Oh, yeah? I'm well, loving it. Welcome. Thank you. For the next part of this program, actually, all of the performers we're going to be meeting are from this region, including the talented young man up next. Will you please introduce this fabulous musician who's sitting right across from you? Yes, this is the talented Orlandis Mays. He's 16 years old, and he's from Antioch, Tennessee, and he plays the trombone. Welcome to the show, Orlandis. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm going to go get ready over at the piano, but Orlandis, will you please introduce this piece that we're about to play together? Absolutely. This is Daybreak by Nicola Farrow, dedicated to Joseph Alessi.
We heard Daybreak, composed by Nicola Ferro and performed by 16-year-old trombonist Orlandis Mays from Antioch, Tennessee. I'm Peter Dugan. I was at the piano just enjoying every minute of that performance. What a warm, beautiful sound you have, Orlandis. Thank you. Super warm, just like the sun. And it was so expansive, too. I just felt um, the sunrise. And your deep connection to the trombone is so evident. So I'm wondering what led you to the trombone and to music. <laughs> well, it all started with my uncle, who actually plays the trombone. I already knew he was a phenomenal jazz player. I hadn't actually heard him play the trombone, so I didn't have a good idea. But after I chose the trombone, then we were having lessons, and a pathway was created for me. So he would just cut down bushes and create this beautiful pathway for me and be like, let's walk down it together. Uh But before that, he was having to kind of drag me along the pathway that he created. But then he took me to a Mahler... Five concert. The National Symphony was putting on Mahler Five. I didn't know anything about Mahler. I didn't know anything about, you know, classical music. That was the first symphony I'd ever heard. I had no expectations. After the intermission, Mahler Five came on. And the trumpet just goes, and it's just mm-hmm. so gorgeous. Yeah. And eventually we got to louder parts. The orchestra's playing, bum, 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 bum. like it's going crazy. It's like this little waltz thing. I'd never heard anything like it. And at that moment, I was like, I want to do music. I want to. I want to go all in in this. Wow! Kudos to your uncle for seeing all those pathways to inspiration and to getting you to want to work hard. That is, I would say, a requirement of any great teacher to be inspiring. But as you were alluding to, teachers also must be demanding and sometimes a little bit tough. Sometimes teachers have to shout. Orlandis, where's the articulation? Sometimes teachers have to nag. Remember to practice slowly. You'll never get better, Orlandis, unless you practice slowly. Slow practice is how Orlandis will improve. Slower, please. Slow. And some teachers... Give the look of disappointment. We have all experienced that, and it's not always a bad thing. So, Orlandis, please tell us your story of the look of disappointment. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, (laughs) So, as we already know, my uncle had been investing a lot of time and energy to carve this path for me. And he wanted me to work on this piece called After the Ball. It was some piece out of his book. And so a week passes and Saturday comes around and I'm like, oh, I hope I can figure this out. I haven't been practicing my rhythm. I have not practiced this piece. Uh-oh. I have practiced nothing, but maybe this can work. It did not work. So <laughs> <laughs> it, the entire hour lesson was just him sitting there and making me kind of practice it or try and figure it out. It was frustrating and I'm sure he was a little frustrated but he didn't look angry he just looked very very disappointed in me he just stare at me as I'd struggle but it it really inspired me to work harder work a little harder I still wasn't all in until Mahler 5 but it definitely inspired me to just not have that look again 
all in one single look. It said all of that. It was it was many many looks of disappointment. It, it, was, <laughs> it was. All right. So we've been talking a lot about your amazing uncle, but I've also read that your parents are hugely hugely inspiring. Can you tell us a little bit about what they do? Absolutely. So my mother, who drove me here, she's amazing. She she works at a nursing home, and my dad is a habilitative therapist, which means he works with mentally disabled people. That that kind of work, I feel like it takes its toll a little bit, especially mm-hmm. it would on me. They're very strong. So I really appreciate what they do. They're very strong for it. Wonderful examples of how to just be a great human who takes care of other people. And it's just been, gosh, so much inspiration in the room today. And can't thank you enough, Orlandis, for being here with us. And uh, Tessa, thank you, too. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Orlandis. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. 16-year-old Orlandis Mays from Antioch, Tennessee. Daily joy. Couldn't we all use a bit of daily joy in our daily routines? Well, if you sign up for From the Top's Daily Joy video series, you'll have incredibly joyful, minute-long music videos delivered to you daily. Sign up at fromthetop.org and cheer up. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism, offering visitors information about the arts, culture, and history of Boston. The journey begins at visitma.com. From the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need, jkcf.org. And from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age. From NPR, it's From the Top, celebrating the power of music in the hands of America's kids. Today, violinist Tessa Lark returns to the program, co-hosting the show along with pianist Peter Dugan. Coming up, Tessa performs a duo with the 12-year-old bluegrass fiddling champion from Kentucky. Our in-person work in Louisville, Kentucky this week is hosted by 90.5 WUOL Classical Louisville. From the Top's host, pianist Peter Dugan, is sponsored by Susan and Gerald Slavitt. Special thanks this week to Yamaha Artist Services for providing the Yamaha CFX Concert Grand Piano heard in the Louisville recordings on this program. Okay, Tessa, well, I hope that Orlandis has inspired you enough to take out your violin now and play a little tune with me. Uh, Yes, sir, he has, in fact. Um, We are going to be playing together. I hope you're ready. (laughs) I hope so, too. (laughs) Beethoven's Sonata 
number eight or opus 30 number three in g major the last movement oh i can't wait this is one of the serious perks of my job is getting to play with with my co-hosts like you and uh this is kind of beethoven getting his fiddle music on in a way isn't it I think so. This, th- these might be the first utterances of, of fiddle music, if I may be so bold. Well, I <laughs> as think that's that. maybe foreshadowing some of the music that we have even later on in the program. Oh. Shall we dive into it? Let's take it from the top. Yes. finale of Beethoven's Violin Sonata Number no. 8 with my co-host, the fleet-fingered Tessa Lark on violin, and yours truly, Peter Dugan, at the piano. 
The young performers on our show are so impressive, sometimes you've just got to see it to believe it. And that's pretty easy to do, actually. Just go to fromthetop.org and check out all the fun video we put out every week. Not only do we have photos and video of our young players making radio with us, we've got our Daily Joy video series, virtual concerts, raucous pop music covers, and more. That's at fromthetop.org. Tessa, our next young musician, drove about an hour and a half from Cincinnati, Ohio, to join us today as we record here in Louisville. Will you tell everyone who this young man is and what instrument he plays? This young man is Ari Webb. He's 16, and he's an amazing cellist. Ari, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you, and I'm so excited that you're here with us. It's really an honor to be on this show today. Ari, why don't you introduce what the three of us are about to perform? We are going to perform the third movement of Debussy's Piano Trio in G major. You know, I love this piece. It doesn't get performed that often. Debussy wrote it when he was just about 18 years old, you know, only a couple years older than you, Ari. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's take it from the top.
That was the third movement of the Piano Trio in G Major by Claude W.C. 16-year-old Ari Webb from Cincinnati, Ohio, played the cello. My co-host Tessa Lark performed on violin. And I'm Peter Dugan. I was at the piano. Tessa? It's so amazing to be introduced to this piece. I didn't know this piano trio, and it's incredible to hear what Debussy came from in his musical style. Mm -hmm. But most of all, because Ari, it's just such a pleasure to play with you. I was so touched by the sincerity of your music making, and it seemed like you were reinventing yourself every time we would play the piece again and again. And that was just such an inspiration to be around. Thank you. Um, so Ari, I learned that your mother is a violin teacher, and so she started you on my instrument, the violin, but what happened? <laughs> it seems like something about the violin wasn't quite doing it for you. Um, she gave me the violin when I was, like, two years old, because she wanted me to pursue it, and, un like, this is kind of her fault, because she... <laughs> had me watch a lot of Yo-Yo Ma and listen to him, and I fell asleep every night listening to his box suites. Didn't really make it to the sixth suite, though. I would always fall asleep before that one. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and just out of nowhere, I started like turning the violin upside down and playing it like a cello. That was how I began on this wonderful, wonderful instrument. That's so, so beautiful, and I'm glad that you took up the cello. Um, but speaking of your mom's side of her family, I hear that you come from a line of serious Venezuelan musicians, like your uncle. Um, I, was he pretty influential in that scene? Uh, yeah, he was. My mom would. She still does talk about him a lot. He he was a great cellist, and he was one of the founders of El Sistema, the wow. music uh, orchestra that like helps uh, spread music and that country and just in general and I look up to him even though he's passed and he's one of my inspirations to continue. Wow. I want to interject here for a moment while we're talking about your mother because there's a funny story about you, your mom, and Yo-Yo Ma who you mentioned earlier. What happened when the three of you were all in one room together? She started she started bawling, you know, just <laughs> crying. I was kind of emotionless because I didn't really know what to say. I mean, I was very immature back then. Uh, he came to perform for the or like with the Cincinnati Orchestra, and we met him in the green room. And as soon as like as soon as we stood together to take pictures, she just her her hands were shaking and <laughs> she started crying and she couldn't take the pictures. So. Oh my god. Oh wait, so so you actually don't have a picture? I, I of do it? have the pictures, but it's just, it's just a little blurry. Just blurry. Tick, yeah, a little blurry. <laughs> okay, so beyond the obviously inspiring experience of meeting an icon like Yo-Yo Ma, it sounds like you're also inspired by visual art. So what kind of visual art um, experiences have you had that have inspired you in your life? So recently I picked up a hobby of reading manga and specifically uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, which is a manga by Hirohiko Araki. He's a manga creator, and manga is just, you know, a Japanese-style cartoon that generally has this, you know, sp kind of specific artwork that you're supposed to use. But hmm. what I admire about Araki's art is that it's so it's so original and out there. And hmm. I, I often bring it back to cello because 
in such a repetitive kind of, you know, you can play a piece a million times and yeah. right. it could sound the same. But, you know, if I think of that originality, it kind of inspires me to play it in a certain way. Mm. That's exactly what I was hearing when we were playing over and over. It was yes. different every time. Yep. Absolutely appreciated your originality and your artistry today. Thanks so much for being with us, Ari. Thank you. 16-year-old Ari Webb from Cincinnati, Ohio. Tessa, I mentioned earlier in the program that we're recording today in your home state of Kentucky and that you grew up here with a dad who taught you bluegrass. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've heard you play classical already today, but you have the bluegrass tradition deeply in your bones uh, and in your fingers, (laughs) right? (laughs) So that's why we had to find a young Kentucky bluegrass fiddler to join us today, in part so he could jam with you. This young fiddler is in the house. Would you do the honors? It would be my pleasure. Y'all, let me introduce you to the amazing 12-year-old fiddling phenom, Mr. Noah Goble. And my friend, though you are quite young, you have some serious street cred. You've won two big competitions fairly recently. What were those? Um, see, I won at the Smithville um, Fiddler's Jamboree. They had a um, thing there. And then um, I won the Grandmasters uh, National Fiddler Championship not too long ago. He says so humbly. Yeah, no The Grandmasters Fiddle Championship. We're in the presence of a Grandmaster, Tessa. We are indeed, and I cannot wait to hear that masterful sound. What are you going to play for us? I'm going to play Sally Gooden. Well, we've got a surprise bonus here, which is that Noah's 14-year-old sister, Lily, is a guitarist, and she happens to be here too. Come on over and say hello, Lily. Hello. So Lily's appearance on the show today is quite spontaneous, folks. We knew that she accompanied Noah all the time. And because she showed up to the studio with her guitar, we were like, hey, get on in here. Let's do this. Thank you. 
12-year-old fiddler Noah Goebel from Elkton, Kentucky, performed Sally Gooden, and keeping time with him on the guitar was his 14-year-old sister, Lily. Nailed it, you two. It's been so much fun to hear you playing music together and to be hearing that music in the state where it was all created. It's just making my Kentucky heart sing. And Noah, what a grandmaster sound you got there. It's just so, um, the, the drones, it's, it's just, I can hear the Appalachian Valley's rejoicing when I hear your sound. Thank you. I want to let Thank our you. listeners know, though, besides listening to Noah, uh, the visuals here are quite amazing. You are rocking the bluegrass look now Thank with you. your hat and your clothes. You have to tell me where you got this hat and what it is. Uh, it's a Stetson Stradliner. It's a crossover between a fedora and kind of a western hat. And I, I wear it usually when I play somewhere that's uh, bigger, but... Um, Sometimes people start asking, did, did he wear his hat or something? Oh, so you're getting known for the vibe, too. When you're playing, where do you go generally? Or are you in a band or do you freelance fiddle for hire? Or? Uh, there are uh, a couple bands that um, don't have fiddle players or something. They'll come, they'll call and see if I want to come and kind of fill in for whatever that is if I'm not doing a contest or something. And mm-hmm. There's a busy uh, festival season in the summer that has a lot all across Tennessee and some in Alabama too. And you don't just embrace the bluegrass music lifestyle. You're up for the whole traditional Kentucky lifestyle. I mean, getting out there, enjoying the outdoors, the sporting. What sorts of stuff are we talking about here? Um, I like to hunt and to fish and hiking is fun too. Doing that stuff and spending time with my dad's fun. Didn't you just go on a hunting trip last week? Yes, I did. It was um, muzzleloader season for deer. What does that mean? Um, muzzleloader, you load the gun differently. It all goes in through the muzzle. Okay. I, this, I'm learning a lot already. And how did it go? It went, uh, pretty good. We saw some stuff and scared some stuff off. Saw some stuff, scared some stuff. Did you take any stuff home? No, we didn't take anything home. All right. Well, it sounds like the deer won this time. Yes, they did. All right. You know, the other thing I read about you, um, and I super appreciate this, is your love for vintage and antique things. Uh, Can you tell me what sorts of stuff you like to get? Uh, I collect old records a lot. Okay. Um, Those are kind of cool. I have several fiddle records that you can't find a lot. You know, they don't make them anymore. And I really like it because uh, it's kind of old-timey, I think. Uh Uh-huh. and, and what does that mean to you when you say old-timey, for those who don't know about? Well, um, sometimes when I hear a bluegrass fiddle, it's just like as fast as they could think about. Yeah. Like just That's how it's played. But that older bluegrass, and it, it's just a little bit more laid back in it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you were telling me when we were playing together that old-timey in your competition-style fiddling is on the back side of the beat, whereas... Yeah. More modern bluegrass is pushing ahead. Is <laughs> yeah. that right? Yeah, it pushes. Yeah, I felt that too. Man, I think that's why I love listening to old bluegrass records is because of that, that back feel. Well, I'm pretty excited for what's about to happen right now because I think you two are going to play a bit together. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. All right. Tessa, what are you going to play? We are going to twin fiddle some Red Wing and go right into Turkey in the Straw. All right, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. 
was my co-host Tessa Lark in a fiddle duo along with 12-year-old Noah Goebel performing a medley of Red Wing and Turkey in the Straw. Well, it's time to say goodbye. But before we do, I want to leave you with one more piece of music from Kentucky. This is a piece pulled out of From the Top's archives, a flashback finale, if you will. Back in 2016, From the Top met percussionist Gregory Cole from Louisville, who was 17 at the time. Gregory transfixed us all with his dreamlike rendition of Harold Arlen's Over the Rainbow. And it's on that note that we'll leave you today. I want to thank all the young performers we've met on the program, not only for sharing their music with us today, but for sharing their humanity. And to you, listening during supper or driving in the car or watering your neighbor's plants, thanks for spending this time with us. I'm pianist Peter Dugan, and I hope you'll join us for From the Top next week. And now, here's Gregory Cole's performance of Arlen's Over the Rainbow, arranged by Robert Oitomo. is written and produced by Tim Banker with post-production mastering and editing by senior producer Tom Vagley. Our music director is Megan Swan and the production manager is Matt Dykeman. David Norville is assistant producer. Sound design and editing by John Escobar. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. I'm Joanne Robinson. 
Special thanks to Daniel Gilliam at 90.5 WUOL Classical Louisville, as well as Yamaha Artist Services for providing the Yamaha CFX Concert Grand Piano heard in the Louisville recordings on this program. Today's program received engineering support from Eric Matthews at WUOL, Chris Greenwell at Downtown Recording Louisville, Luis Pacheco at the Hideout Recording Studio in Henderson, Nevada, and Mike Farrington at the Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York. From the Top is an independent nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear on our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Support for NPR comes from this station. And from the Volgenau Foundation, supporting programs that protect the environment, educate children, and promote classical music. From Indeed, a hiring platform that connects businesses with candidates. Indeed partners with businesses to help attract, screen, and interview from one place. More at indeed.com hire. And from the Public Welfare Foundation, committed to advancing transformative youth and criminal justice reforms. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at fromthetop.org.